1: Hi folks, it's Josh, and here's a fun fact. Your odds of getting nominated for an Academy Award go up if you appear on The Movies That Made Me. What you're about to hear is our conversation with Raman Barani, the uh, writer and director of the fantastic movie The White Tiger. Uh, We did this a few weeks ago, and in the interim, while not a hell of a lot has changed for me and Joe, Raman's been nominated for the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, and rightly so. Here he is, Raman Barani. This is the movies that made me. With your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Uh we are here with uh, Raman Barani, the writer and producer and director of um one one of uh I think Joe's two, uh one of my favorite movies this year, The White Tiger. Um I, I think it's safe to say I reasonable I would have first uh kind of noticed your work with um uh Man push cart. And oh. um And then obviously into uh, um, Chop Shop. Chop Shop, Shop. yes, of course. Which, by the way, I'm so... um, I wanted to go back to Chop Shop because I haven't seen it in a long time and then I just saw that it's coming out on Criterion in a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, yeah. Both Man Push Card and Chop Shop, both of them. That's great. Uh, That's
1: fantastic. Um, Great. And then uh, 99 Homes uh, a couple of years ago, which I was a huge fan of, and now White Tiger, which is just... um, I I can't even... It's it's a fantastic film. I mean, I... uh, um, it it, it deserves all the accolades it's getting and then some and and that's one i've sort of gotten to this place now where my wife and i will see a movie and and go uh we'll spend 20 minutes talking about how much we love it and then sooner or later one of us will go oh we gotta get get him on the show um (laughs) and of course you also check with joe and make sure it's something he likes but i think this one was a no-brainer uh, but uh, but yeah no thank you for joining us and taking, thank you taking a break from answering all the same questions. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we kind of wanted to uh, talk about, I guess, the movies that made you. Um, what kind of stuff sort of inspired you and 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 helped form your understanding of of film and made you want to do it.
2: Well, there's so many. But I'm so happy to be with you. And and I remember Joe when we met. We, I think we all met in Venice. My God, we did, and we've been on one of those boats. Yeah, we were on one of the boats at the Venice Film Festival, which was great. So I'm happy to be here. And um, I don't know, you, you, you mentioned um, there's so many movies we're not going to get through them yes. all. But <laughs> no, no, it's it,
3: it, it's it's very difficult to to it, people don't people think it's just so easy to just well I'll just
2: throw together a yeah. bunch of titles. But that doesn't work if you really. No, I, I, I. We can be freewheeling. I think. Yes. You have I don't know, to you, be. You said "man push cart," so just because you mentioned it, uh-huh. I remember um, that was my first film. I remember looking at a lot of Ho Shan Hsien films, the great Taiwanese director, like "Boys from Feng Kui, um, or "or A Time to Live, A Time to Die." Mm. Um, I was just so taken by his cinema. I remember it was very hard to find the movies. You had to like get a VHS tape from somewhere or order a DVD from another region that would take months. That, I mean, this was back in 2002, three. Right. So it was hard to find things. And then I would watch them on my tube television and Hoshan Shen films are a lot of wide shots. The characters are tiny in the frame. So it was like <laughs> watching these minuscule things in the frame moving around, but I was just so taken by them. And, um, his films had some direct impact on on Man Push Card, as did um, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Oh, wow. Uh, in general has had an impact, his, not only his films, but his spirit. Mm-hmm. The idea of just making movies mm-hmm. and not asking for permission and just gathering your friends and doing it. But Killing of a Chinese Bookie, it was a night, so basically, it's a nighttime movie. And Man Push Card is a nighttime movie. And we looked a lot at how he shot things at night, and also I think it's also an existential movie like *Man Push Cart*, where a man is trapped. He often seems to be doing, making dumb decisions, making his life worse. And *Man Push Cart* had things like that, where the character seems unable to get out of his own way of getting ahead. Um, so that was important. And then um, one of my favorite films, *Bicycle Thieves*, mm-hmm. of course, has a huge impact on *Man Push sure, Cart*. Sure, yeah. Um, it's such a great film because, I mean, in, in general, the Italian neorealists and then the Iranian cinema, Yarustami, Amir Naderi, those, La Terra trema, um, Open Rome, Open City, that whole trilogy that Rossellini made, and then, of course, The Sica with, with Bicycle Thieves and Umberto Di made a huge impact on me. Um, and then in India, of course, Satyajit Ray, that style of cinema was really important to, I think really deeply my first three films, but it, it still kind of has a presence on, even a film like White Tiger, where you're still searching for real characters in real places, even shooting in real environments or in 99 homes, casting non-actors to play with the actors, mm-hmm. not controlling everything, letting things be, um, and so Bicycle Thieves had that. It's just a, such an amazing film because the goal is so simple, yeah, right? Yeah. Let's say like, where is the friend's house, Kiarostami's film some decades later that was very important to me. And he uses that to explore a, a, a society, right? He's like, ah, I, I would like to explore six or seven neighborhoods in post-war Rome and understand different elements of my society and the different kinds of people in them. And make a comment about or an exploration about what I think is going on in my world, and do it with these characters who typically aren't focused on in movies that are working class, barely making it, um, and explore a relationship between two characters, father and son. You know, and and there won't be a clear ending. You know, the ending is just that one of those shots you want to clip out of the film and take it with you on a deserted island if you were to get stuck somewhere mm-hmm. one day. Like what shots would you take with you? This shot of the two hands, which is so simple, but so powerful. And the movie ends on a emotion, an emotional content and a, 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 something more deep than plot. The plot doesn't have to tie itself up. We don't have to answer all the questions because who could answer all these questions. And that, that concept, I think, of understanding that you don't have to answer everything was important to me. And then later moved into some other world of kind of poetry with someone like stami, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember seeing, somehow seeing the bicycle thief uh, or bicycle thieves. Um, no, here, here it was. Called. Yeah, I did. Originally. Yeah. yeah
2: originally classical. And
1: thief. I think I was, I was, I felt you know, uh, it showed at art house theaters and, and I was a little bit young for that stuff and somehow got dragged off to it thinking, Oh God, I'm going to be more senseless watching this, this, this thing. And, you know, I may have been 13 years old and, um, that, that was one of my first introductions to something so simple and so emotionally powerful. I mean, you just don't expect that from, from, uh, I, I, at an early stage, at least I did not expect anything so shattering, um, as that film oh, yeah. and it's, it's, uh. Yeah, it was one of those sort of turning points for me in terms of kind of the kind of movies I pursued.
3: Um, Speaking of um, actor of movies with actors playing with non actors, have you uh, seen *Nomadland* yet? I haven't had a chance to see it yet. No. It's it's what's fascinating about it is that the non actors in the movie who are as good as as good as the real actors and better than some other actors um, are so they've been cast for themselves for who they are, you know, and. And they have long monologues, which may or may not have been scripted, but don't sound scripted. They sound like they're just talking about their lives. Uh, and it's 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 incredibly yeah. effective, uh, much more so than it would have been if you'd hired oh, of course,
2: yeah. to the same line. Yeah. It's a strategy that always works. If you find the right person,
1: it will always work. Or just, about, yeah, assuming you find the right person. Well, finding the right person. <laughs> is, yeah. You have to, Whether they're actors or not, that's, that is, yeah. that's the key. Do you want to sort of walk through some chronologically, or how do you want to? Well, I think we can go randomly. Still. Randomly, like, great. We love, yeah. random. randomly we love random. We love
2: random. Free association. Well, we were, yeah, we talk about, I mean, where is a friend's house? In general, Demi made a, a very important mark on me. Um, I would say Kiarostemi, Amir Naderi's film, The Runner. Um, Bahram Bezai's film, Boshu, The Little Stranger. Mahmoudbop, Mahmoud Mahmoudbop's films especially um, Bread and Flowerpot, Nune Goldun, which here was translated as Moment of Innocence. Um, Those directors, those Iranian directors, and even Farrukhah Farukhzad's film, The House is Black, this is the Iranian poet, her film, she made one film about a leper colony, 30-minute film or so. Those films made a huge impact on me um, because of the way they were made. They were all in this kind of, I don't want to just say re- realism, like the Italian realist. There was something, there was a poetic realism to them. There was some other element to them. Um, and of course they were, because poetry is a huge part of Persian culture and my parents are from Iran. I, I lived in Iran for three years. Part of going to Iran for three years um, after I finished college was to find myself, but it was also a cinematic pilgrimage. It was to go to the place where these films had come from to try and understand how could these films have been made. What, what, is, what is this culture of my parents that I was raised with? I spoke Persian before I spoke English. I was writing in Persian language before I wrote in English. And po- poetry was a big part of the house, as in any Iranian house. Not that we were special. All Iranians grew up with poetry. So Hafez, Rumi, Ferdosi, uh, Shahid Sales, these were just things that were read and talked about the way people talk about, other cultures talk about things that are important to them. And um, so going, going there and, and meeting some of these filmmakers, spending time with Kierostemi, meeting Makhmalbav years later in New York, befriending Amir Naderi um, while making Man Push Card. even hiring Amir Naderi's cinematographer, Michael Simmons, who had shot a few films for Amir, was part of the process of getting Man Push Card even made. So those films were just so important to me. We talked about like the, the idea of casting non-actors, of rewriting your script for the non-actors of writing the script because you met a non-actor um of filming in real locations of of not bothering to say action or cut you know which I to this day I still won't say on a set um all this came out of that exploration of those films um but of course there's a different part of me which is American um I have somehow the good fortune of having two ways of seeing, mm. and so there was another. There were so many films that it, in American cinema that in, in, impacted me, mainly from the seventies. In fact, my whole interest in movies started in high school. I had a high school teacher, um, Van Brown, and he started randomly showing us movies, which I couldn't understand. I was like, "My God, what a what a amazing class! They're just going to show some movies." But then, of course, he started talking about them as if there were serious things that one could discuss, like a book. I mean, normally I was into reading. I like reading a lot. We like talking about books, talking about novels and, and, you know, whatever they were showing us in high school. Uh, uh, sometimes it was philosophical books. Sometimes it was uh, fiction. But suddenly Van Brown showed us these movies in a classroom and talked about them as if these were things that a person would discuss. Mm. And that was very eye-opening to me. And mainly, he was showing us films from the 70s, you know, um, The Conversation, mm. which to this day is such an important film for me that the, it's such a rich movie. I mean, I think he was impacted by Herman Hesse um, and so many other authors, Coppola. He's, of course, such a literate filmmaker. Mm. Um, but that, that film, or Mean Streets, made a big mark on me. And it was such a personal film it felt like a human being had made it. I, I could see that it, it was makeable. There wasn't some other apparatus around it. Mm. Uh, and I thought in America, if you made a film, it had to have all these things that came with it. But it, that seemed like it was made by a man named Martin Scorsese and some of his friends. Yeah, yeah very you know, much. Yep. Which seemed achievable. And he was Italian-American, I was Iranian-American. I thought, oh, may, maybe this is in the z- zone of things I could make one day. And I thought if I could combine Mean Streets And where is The Friend's House by Kiarostemi that maybe one day that would be a kind of movie I would understand or or I could try and make one day. I don't know. I didn't know what it meant, but it was something I was thinking about. And so these American films from the 70s became a a way into understanding movies, you know, Nashville, Robert Altman, you know, um, and then like basically everything Robert Altman made, you know. So these, these movies that were character-based, there, there wasn't much story to them, and um, there seemed to be some improvisation in them. Or he seemed to not only ignore genre, he seemed to turn genre inside out and do something different. So the idea that you could twist things around, that, that it could just be characters and not a bunch of stories started to open up with someone like Robert Altman. Um. And and then I got kind of got hooked, and that's when you just you know got your parents to drive, or my parents to drive me to Video Village on Robin Hood Road. You know, and um, I think red was VHS and blue was Beta. We had VHS, <laughs> so we would go for the red tab. It was a circular tab that you would pull off of a hook,
1: right?
2: And it had a number written on it, and you would I'd go because it, it was a Yes, they
1: would have it back. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you know what I mean, yeah. but you're younger. You have the younger, 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 no idea, (laughs) and no clue what we're talking about. There was a VHS box; it was empty because no, you didn't want someone to steal the tape, and you could read about the movie and look at the covers and be interested in them. And then, so then I just went and rented all the movies from the seventies. Then I went and rented the um, classic Hollywood section, which wasn't big because most of the movies were popular. Right when it started, uh, modern films. Yeah, and I had no interest in any of those, and I. Didn't have much interest in action. I didn't have interest in science fiction much. So I mainly looked at 70s movies. Then I went to the classic Hollywood section. And then there was foreign films. That was what was left. So I went to those. And that's when I started to learn about foreign films. And you exhaust that pretty quickly at Video Village. So then you had to go to the public library and just rent everything they had, which was great because it was also free. And so that's when I came to understand about more than a, American 70s and Iranian cinema. Then I came to understand about all these other kinds of movies, Mm. you know. Um, That was where I, as a teenager, came across Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Yeah. And started to, you know, really fall in love with Werner Herzog as a filmmaker and as a person, you know, as an intellect, as a poet, as a thinker, you know. Um, So Aguirre, The Wrath of God was unlike anything I had ever seen. and it was some mix between, I was like, my God, someone made a period movie handheld. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and then the next shot would be this tableau. And, and I could see the costumes look like they had come out of the local theater shop. And like the carriage that they're carrying, the daughter, the daughter in, looked like it was made out of plywood they had just painted it yesterday. <laughs> but none of it seemed to make any difference right. to me as I watched it. All it said to me was, "This is achievable. Mm-hmm. I could make this movie. Not, not that I could make something this great. Yeah, no,
1: no, absolutely, I know it. Yeah,
2: it's a movie is makeable again. This again, this idea that I had when I looked at Mean Streets, but with with Werner Herzog, it seemed even more achievable because as I started to read about him, he's, he was such an outsider. Mm-hmm. He seemed to come from nowhere and be attached to no one, and." That somehow made sense to me because I had the same feeling. I didn't know anyone. As an immigrant, you're often isolated. You don't know how to connect with everyone. So I was never part of a group or a movement, and I didn't like groups and movements. And to this day, I don't like groups and movements. I, I tended to want to be on my own. Um, I don't know if it's something about being Iranian. We, you know, Iran has been invaded many times, and um, there have been many people who control the country, and so. You put on a, you, you your culture. You were trained to have a facade of acceptance, but deep down, you were very individualistic mm. and and very nonconformist type people. So, between that and being an immigrant in North Carolina, I, I assumed I would be on my own. And this part about Herzog, I really liked. And um, so, Aguirre, the Wrath of God, was something incredible. And then his other film that he has so many movies that move me, but the enigma of Casper Hauser was something else that, that was so powerful. Um, and then of course, all his, let's say supposed documentaries, some of which are fabricated. And the fabricated parts are my favorite parts (laughs) of his documentaries. That became some, somebody very important to me. Um,
1: yeah, it's interesting that you you say that about him, because I remember uh, uh, sort of the German new wave, was I was I was fascinated by that. Um, there is Texas, and, my yeah, God. Yeah, and, and, but that was one of the things, I, I never quite put my finger on it, but as much as, yeah, like Vendors and uh, Fassbender and Herzog all seem to be sort of coming up around the same time, you don't get the sense that they were howling around like Lucas and Spielberg and Milius were. Back at the time, they were all very, very specific about what they were doing and very individual.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm, I know they were in communication with one another, but they were on their own path. Um, I think for me, Herzog the most the most on his own path because of where he went. You know, the 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 places he would travel to to make the films, and that interested me too because I I knew I had did not really want to make movies about immigrant artists know or people I knew I I wanted to make films about people I didn't quite know I wanted to make movies about worlds and people I would have to go learn about and meet and explore and have that amazing experience that journalists have of encountering strangers and strange worlds and and writing about them
1: is that a uh, um I especially when I was starting as a writer that was one of the things that that I would I would go through a place or I would read about a place Uh, and, and it would just always start with, I wonder what it's like to live there. And then the sort of story would come out of that. Is that kind of a similar? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, totally. And another filmmaker like that, that I discovered in my high school years was, um, Agnes Varda. Mm, Yeah. And I saw, I saw Cleo, but I saw Vagabond. And that was, that was so powerful. That film. Um, I had not seen anything like that before. And again, the idea of, of a character film, which I think Scorsese was all about too. Those films were just character yeah, films. Yeah. So I think plot seems so secondary to him. And it seemed the same in Barda, in both Cleo and Vagabond. But Vagabond especially, I found so powerful. And, and she, of course, has that in her documentaries too, where she will travel to a place and then that place and the people in that place will be in the movie and will inform the movie and the storytelling. And um, her films became very important to me. And again, like, like Herzog, they seemed makeable and she seemed totally on her own and independent. And they were both legends, but they seemed to still be making these independent movies. And that was inspiring because, you know, by the time you know, I started to make films, Scorsese, was, he, was, he had gone from independent to being, he was a made man, right? so the the scale of the films became something un, not understandable to me but um herzog and varda i could still understand how they were making them they seemed understandable yeah. like they yeah. were made, they were made on that around the corner over here
1: do you, do yeah. you still have that feeling about about some movies i mean i still you know i've been in the business 30 years i've been on the sets of some gigantic films and it's still i still see you know there are these spielberg movies where you know, he's got a, a battleship in the foreground and airplanes in the background, and three different movie stars and various. And I just, I can't even conceive of how he got a shot sometimes. Um, yes, I, 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 I admire it. I don't
2: understand yeah. how to do that, but I, I admire that. But it's there's many things I like, but is not any of my business. Like, right. I, I love Fellini, but it, it I don't, I can't. What I love about Fellini is so many things, one of which is I have no conception of how to do any of them. Right, <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> you
2: know, it's so outside of the zone of my mind uh, yeah. that it, it makes me more interested in it. Yeah. But again, I'm not saying I could make anything like Werner Herzog or Agnes Vardar, but I understand that it could be made. It's a camera, it's people, it's location, and it's some vision, whatever your vision is. Yeah. You know? And then I got lucky to, to meet these people. To me, this was some... Other incredible thing that to work with Werner on a couple of my short films and then to go to Bolivia on one of his movies or to, you know, talk to Agnes and meet with her over the last decade before she passed away or to have met Kiarostami many times to talk to him. these things were somehow some kind of an incredible experience for me to know some of these filmmakers and talk to them and learn from them or to know Amir Naderi, to talk to him and know him work with him in a couple of occasions was something extraordinary
1: mm, for sure
2: because yeah. you're ent- you're entering into the movie you love somehow yeah
1: you know. yeah 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 um
3: well it's inspiring i mean to 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 meet people that you've admired yeah whose work you admire and to get them know them well enough to get get to either work with them or talk to them or you know have get get advice
2: from them or or get input from them is it's it's a it's a real problem. it's amazing I mean, I was able to show, you know, Werner a, a cut of White Tiger. I was not able to show Agnes because she pa- had passed, but we had talked about the film many times because um, she was so fascinated that I was going to go to India or that I was able to show Amir Nandari the film or that, you know, to just to, to, to have these people, it's... and then you try to, to do the same thing. I... I, I just produced a film that was in Sundance called Lutsu. It's a Maltese American film made by Alex Camilleri, who was my assistant editor or editor for almost a decade. And um, it's so in the vein, it's, it's like La Terra Trema, You know, it's about fishermen in Malta. He cast two real fishermen. He spent two and a half years researching it with these two fishermen, you know, and he made this beautiful film that premiered at Sundance and his non-actor fisherman won the best acting award, Fantastic. you know? <laughs> so it's like the, the ability to talk to these, these new filmmakers as some of my people I admire spoke to me is, is also pretty awesome.
1: Have you, um, not, to, not to drag us down another different alley, but uh, the British film from, I think it's 2019, Bait? It's a director named Mark Jenkins, and it's it's a gorgeous film. It's black and white, um, and uh, shocked to find out that the lead is actually a comedian. But it's it's a oh, um, but not not at all what you expect. It. It's just it's a film about um, a small Cornish fishing village dealing with uh, kind of the backdrop of of gentrification and so forth. Oh, and, uh, oh
2: I, I'd like to see it. It's yeah, about fishing. It sounds
1: very very much like something you'd, you'd enjoy. Um, oh, I'd like to see that. Yeah, I mean, in in, in England, like. I
2: don't know. I don't think chop chop could have existed honestly without sweet 16 Ken Loach oh. by Paul Laverty, the great screenwriter, Paul Laverty and his collaborating with his collaborations with Ken Loach. I found all of them. So inspiring. Mm. Those movies are just incredible from Kess on. Um, and then I just think whatever he, his connection with Paul Laverty crea- has created these like 20 years or so or more of just these brilliant films yeah. and, um, yeah. So on the one hand, that in England he was so inspiring and then Mike Lee. That's mm-hmm. just incredible, my God. The you know those were those movies you would have to go to um because you want to watch these things from British television like early Mike Lee or early Alan Clark and you would have oh, to go to Kim's video. Right. Yes. When it existed and you would get they would have pirated versions of these movies, but there was it was fine because how else could we see them? I think that's the first place I rented
1: the- Abigail's party. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. was kids yeah, Exactly. A trip to yeah. New
2: York yeah yeah or or or, or meantime yes, yeah you know um, and that was the place you could get these things. Um, so those guys were really so interesting. In contemporary, I think Andrea Arnold's really doing some pal- really powerful films um, but in terms of the influences that those two in England were
1: uh, fish tank, right yeah
2: yeah, yeah that oh. that's that's now getting into like you're just admiring it as your' Someone that we're we're in the same time zone almost, but yeah, but she's that's an amazing. he's really good. Yeah, that was an aw- that was an awesome film.
1: Do you, um, do you find do you back like to Mike Lee because I was thinking about you know what you said about not being able to conceive of how some things are made? Um, I think the funny thing for me about Mike Lee is you see one of the movies and you kind of have that reaction like that's within the range of something I could, and then you hear how he does it. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and now it seems inaccessible again because it's.
2: I mean, the the I don't know the closest I can imagine is. I know it's not the same at all, but I guess contemporary David O. Russell is doing something weird with talking to his actors while he's writing for months on end. And then, but I guess he's much more loose and changing everything in the moment where it seems like Mike Lee and his cast have figured it out where they turn on the camera, but he, he, he's just incredible. Those things are, I mean, other American films like, Again, going back to Scorsese in those eras with just seeing Do the Right Thing for the first time. Mm-hmm. That was pretty powerful. Um, you said, I had not seen anything like that. You know? Um, it's still powerful. Yeah. It's still really... It's, that and Malcolm X are really incredible. Um, those two films are really incredible. Um, speaking of which, I, I can't believe it. I just saw this week a movie I had never seen. I don't know how I didn't have never seen it. Nothing but a man.
1: Oh, oh, wow, oh, wow.
2: yeah. It's been it's been close to hard to find, but yeah. YouTube. I watched it on YouTube.
3: Oh.
2: I don't know where else to find it, so I watched it on YouTube. It's so good. Yeah. It's an incredible. It's incredible, and it's incredible. It's been made by white people, but it's so. It God. It should be one of the best American films about black. American life that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I think I found a DVD of it years and years ago after hearing about and it. And then a,
2: Robert Young and Erwin Young. And Erwin Young had helped me so much at Do Art to get my first film, Man Pushcart, finished. And then again, he helped me on Goodbye Soul, my third film. I didn't have money really to finish either film. And Erwin Young really went way... But he never mentioned this? He never mentioned nothing? Mentioned. No, he always talked about his brother, but the movies his brother had directed. And in this case, Robert Young was just one of the... He was one of the two writers. I, I saw him, nothing but a man. But he wasn't the director. He never mentioned it to me. But it's an incredible movie.
1: Yeah. A great performance by Ivan Dixon, who... Yeah. ...wish had done yeah. more. Um, who also directed. Oh, really? He did a... Um, it's an amazing film, and I, I, I keep meaning to sort of dig more into it, because but it was in the early 70s. It's called The Spook Who Sat By The Door, based on a book, and it's about a... Um, the CIA's decision to allow uh, black agents into training, and this one guy goes into training, learns everything he can, and then he leaves and he becomes a a revolutionary, and wages war on on America with a with an army. And um, uh, he was lying to the studio about the movie he was making. Apparently, he would send them dailies of sort of other things, and and it's a very it's a very raw film, very choppy. A lot of it was shot like on. Seeming like sets for sitcoms or something but mm. it's a really really fascinating film really, really really wow what is the name again uh the, sp- the spook who sat by the
3: door there's a there's a commentary by bill duke on it on our, on our oh, trail yes. website he, where he talks about it. wow
1: yeah it's it's well worth seeing i mean it's, it's got sort of some some uh exploitation um uh, edges to it, but um, it's it's incredible, but yeah, nothing but a man is is great. He didn't, be, I mean, outside of uh, I want to say michael's Navy, um, Hogan's Heroes, Joe, did Ivan Dixon do a lot? I feel like he didn't. Career. Oh, he did, he,
3: he was he was an, a, a utilitarian actor, but uh, he didn't get a lot of chances, yeah, yeah, shame,
1: it's yeah. a shame.
2: We didn't talk about Decalogue. Oh no! Yeah, that all, all ten of them. Oh yeah, all ten of them. We will <laughs> we will talk though. No, we will not talk about all ten, but but Decalogue. <laughs> I think I saw red, white, and blue first because I think it was coming out at that time when I was a student, and then I went back and saw Decalogue and um, the Double Life of Veronique. I saw some of the other ones later, but the, the decalogue, that that was just mind boggling. I remember as a student, uh, I studied film theory at Columbia, but I had a couple screenwriting classes, and I remember I kept trying to everything I did had to be a trilogy based on a theme, you know, <laughs> and it had to be. And of course, the screenwriting instructors were always like, "There's no plot here. What is this?" And I was like, "Yeah, but Kieslowski, you know," um, and. Still he's so powerful. I, I, I did look a lot at Decalogue One. I, Decalogue One I think is is really extraordinary.
3: We should we should explain to viewers who are not familiar with Decalogue that oh. it's not just it's not just one movie yes, yes, it's a series. Yes. Yeah,
2: Decalogue is 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 one-hour films that he, he's lost, he made for Polish television. Each one is somehow inspired by one of the Ten Commandments. Loosely inspired, but they're Very, contemporary yeah. stories set in one communist housing block, and all the characters live in that housing complex. And occasionally, not in every, epi- not in every episode of the ten, films, 10 one hour films, occasionally characters pass by one another in the background or hold a door for someone. And, if, and three of the films, I believe, were made into longer feature films um, that were not an hour, but about an hour and a half, I believe, including a short film about love and a short film about murder or about killing. And that's five, Decalogue five. And we, we looked at that for White Tiger um, and one, both, because of the lens, the choice of lenses, where the camera is in relationship to the actor, and then the landscape and the psychological power of the lenses. And five, um, around the murder, I thought were really, and, and, and the his psychological state, I thought, could be really helpful for the back half of Tiger where the character is starting to lose it a little bit. Um, but his, his films, the humanity in them, the, the let's say the idea of trying to film things that can't be filmed, you know, the spirit world or the, the metaphysical world that surrounds us, the shadow world around us, that, that was powerful to see
1: did, did you see those um because i know they screened occasionally sort of back in the day um did you see them in a theater or were those another like four no, videos you were tracking down
2: yeah, yeah I remember. initially yep. initially vhs yeah. yeah yeah but you could see things in the theater you could go down to at that time theater 80 which is now a theater again but it had turned into a cinema they had good double bills and then there was still at that time there was the Film Forum and there was the Thalia I believe and yeah. Symphony Space. Symphony Space I remember. Um, actually the white the author of the White Tiger Arvind Adiga and I went to see Wings of Desire mm-hmm. on the big screen and it were just that was incredible experience. The the vendor's film, I mean Paris Texas, and and Wings of Desire those were big big impacts. Sense um, yeah. Have you, Oliver Stone too, that, he, he made an impact on me as well.
1: Um, really? Was, I, I'm guessing the earlier.
2: Yeah. I, I, the hand. The hand. The
1: hand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, but the, the, uh, he's a great director. You know, he, he, people think about him because of his politics, but actually he is a great director. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think along with Scorsese, he's the best director editor mm-hmm. of his generation. Those two know how to edit better than anyone. Maybe Spike Lee as well. Um, but I remember coming out of the theater at Haynes mall, the Haynes mall theater in Winston-Salem after watching JFK and being totally overwhelmed. Yeah.
3: It's a pretty amazing movie. It's unbelievable. I mean, whether, whether you want to get into the weeds, you know, what, how accurate it is in various ways or
2: not, you know, I mean, you just take it as a movie. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, it's a pretty amazing achievement. E- even, um, well, I mean, sometimes he was making two masterpieces in one year. I don't know on a huge scale. Yeah. Or, or, um born on the fourth of July, the the camera work it's incredible.
0: Yeah.
2: And the editing is incredible, and the structure, the movie's broken in half, right? It just he just he tosses out what everybody else would write, and just goes to the two sections he wants and throw out, out everything else. Yeah. Which I find amazing. Um.
1: Yeah, I think Salvador is one of the first movies I saw after I moved to Los Angeles. and It's one of those ones where I still remember the theater I was in and, and you know, so yeah. I just uh, uh, could not believe what I had just seen. Yeah,
2: Salvador and Platoon. I think they came out in the same like year. Like about a year
1: apart, yeah, at most. No, I, th- I the think they year. came out the
2: same year. I think <laughs> oh, they came out the same geez. year. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I hate them.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. Or, or Sydney Lumet. Again, the American film yeah. from the 70s. Weirdly, Robert Bresson made an impact on me. Sure. Uh, why yeah, weirdly? But... I don't know, because, um, I don't know, some people love him and other people find it so boring they won't watch. But I, I was moved by the simplicity of the films. Um, yeah. I would say deliberate
3: rather than boring. I mean, I, you know, Pickpocket is an amazing film, and, and, and so is Joan of Arc.
2: I think most of them are amazing. I love pickpocket, but oh Hazard Baltazar I think is incredible. Mm. There's a really amazing scene in Langeon money, the one based on the, the Tolstoy short story where um it's a it's such a tragic story right about the corrupting powers of money and um this man who this guy that had this normal job but was his life was ruined by this forged money right he he's going to go he's going down the wrong path right towards the crime and whatnot and um there's a sequence where we, we see him with his wife and his kid. And it's so simple. There's like a shot of, of a, um, there's a shot of like him putting his cup of coffee down at the breakfast table. So we understand family breakfast in like one boring shot. And then we see like a kid and then the kid's crying of course. And then like, he's gonna leave and the wife goes to the door and he walks down the stairs. He's already half gone and the wife has one line of dialogue and he has one line of dialogue and he leaves. And in this like four or five shots and one line of dialogue, we understood marital strife over what he's up to. And it was so simply done. Yeah. And it was like a, you would look, you would see that scene and then you would go to your script and be like, why, why is this scene three pages and why are they talking so much? <laughs> it, it could just be a look yeah. and a, and a, like, where are you going? And the, the character could just shut the door and we would understand, understand nothing left to be said. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. That's, that's always a, a, a glorious and terrifying realization for a screenwriter, I find, is that that, uh, that moment you realize that, yeah, some of your best work can be expressed in a look. <laughs> You're almost yeah, not. Necessary. totally <laughs> Totally. Um, but I want, when you were talking about Decalogue, I, I, kept, I keep doing this, I'm sorry, but I, it reminded me of, um, have, you, have you seen uh, Steve McQueen's Small Axe films this past year? I
2: saw so far, and they were really good, what I saw. Yeah, because
1: yeah. it, it, it hadn't occurred to me before, but he's kind of doing Decalogue, isn't he? Uh, yeah, they
2: were really good. Yeah. The, the, I think it's episode two, the, the, house. the house party. Yeah, the camera movements wow. were really beautiful.
1: I mean, the fact that there's a scene where the entire film takes place in a house party one night but i mean there's a scene have you seen them yet joe or yeah i've I've, i haven't because there's a scene where you know it's a needle drop and people start dancing and they go through three entire songs and it's just people dancing yeah (laughs) and it's amazing it's just
2: i i I like the camera work It, it he loosened up things a little bit yeah which i thought really helped yes um Compared to some of the his other films, I, I found this to be more loose and free it in a doesn't way. Doesn't feel I
1: anything like his other movies. Yeah, I I, I loved them. Um, yeah, but yeah, no good stuff. Uh, cool. What what else?
2: What else? <laughs> oh, gosh, on the waterfront. Oh yeah, that was a good film. It was a good film because it was a. I, I guess. The, it was about something you know it was about something, it was about a specific place, specific people, you know they felt like the real people, you know mm-hmm. I know it has melodrama in it, that's fine, but it had some purpose to be there, you know um, It had reason to exist, and uh, I liked how specific the location was and the milieu and the characters. I, I thought it was a very powerful film
1: and that that amazing score, which yeah, yeah uh yeah uh no it's a glorious film and i I can see all those influences in 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 your work you know it's um uh you 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 focus in hard on on characters and in specific situations some of them quite small uh yeah but but um uh, they're very much about something larger obviously yes Uh, which is which is not an easy thing to do
2: i always loved antonioni as well um if he, along with John Ford, if you look at Antonioni, they're, they're, they each have a deep respect for landscape, you know, one urban, mm-hmm. one natural. But you really came to understand, I think Bernard Herzog the same that location is not a backdrop, but it's actually a character, you know, and that, God, I let me say clips, that, that, that Antonioni film had a lot of impact on, um, Dan card as well. The hmm. um, Darden brothers were important for me. That that was it. That I guess the mo- modern version of um, Bresson in a way. That that was really helpful for a film like Chop Shop. You know,
1: mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. What um, if you can sort of one of the things and you've you've given us a lot of stuff that is not uh, come come up every week on the show, which is great. Sort of one of our mandates is where we're uh oh no no no, no, this is good we're we're sort of trying to make up for the kind of you know there's the utter implosion of any kind of uh uh, there's nobody out there anymore kind of gatekeeping you know we all grew up uh tv and and sort of repertory theaters and there were you know if you were if you were 10 years old you wouldn't necessarily seek out say Casablanca but you'd turn on the tv and it was one of three choices you know yeah that's just all gone and it's all become very decentralized. Um, and so we're sort of hopeful that, you know, we can push people towards movies they wouldn't ordinarily see.
3: However, they, we, we do live at a time when it's easier to see yeah. these movies than it ever yeah, was Yeah, my God, I yeah. Mean, the, the Criterion Collection alone yeah. uh, has, has pu- pushed to the fore movies that most people, I would say half their collection, nobody would ever heard of, yeah. really. I, because they just didn't, they only played small art theaters or they never came to America at all. Uh, and now they're you know part of the conversation and, uh, and 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 interestingly, it's coincided with a time when people can't go to see movies on a big screen and they're trapped in their homes and they're trapped with their television screens or you know any any way that they can get outside you know influence that has to come into their houses because they can't leave uh, and so i i I would like to think that one of the pluses of this Awful pandemic is that people have had a chance to uh, discover to tap the time to discover things that ordinarily they would just say, "Well, I just don't have time for that." Yeah, yeah,
2: I agree totally.
1: Well, yeah, in the, in that spirit, sort of my own my own education in terms of Iranian film is is not great. I mean, I know I think Separation and White Balloon and maybe one or two others. Is there like if you were going to point somebody towards a couple of films um, coming out of Iran, Iran to um, kind of kickstart that, uh, that process what would, what would some of yours well
2: Amir Nader is the runner mm-hmm. for sure um, Kiorostemi, you know you, sh- you could see on Criterion right now the Kokar trilogy Kokar is a region where he made Where is a Friend's House It was then hit by an earthquake uh, a very devastating earthquake and deadly one and he returned to see if the kids from Where is a Friend's House were alive with, he went with his own son, Kiarasemi. So then he made a movie called Life and Nothing Else, where it's about a, a director and his son going to see if these kids from where is the prince' house are alive. That's what the movie's about. And then um, Under the Olive Trees, sometimes translated to Through the Olive Trees, was the third part of this trilogy. And it was about the making of the second film. And it's just an amazing movie. All three of them are amazing. And then for Kiarasemi, you could then see Close Up, which is... It, often now in the top oh, ten films ever made. Yeah,
1: sure. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It. Yep.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's an amazing film. That's also on Criterion. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a great film. It's about a man who. It's a really, really. It's 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 an incredible film. For, for the people who don't, your audience doesn't know Kierostemi, I could tell you this: Godard said, "Cinema began with D.W. Griffith and ended with Kiarostemi Meaning, there's nowhere else to go. He was he he thought, like that was the end of the whole thing. It's funny. And um, so cl- Close Up is about a, man, a real story about a man. A re- in real life, a man was mistaken for another very famous Iranian director named Mohsen Mahmoud Boss, whose movie I mentioned earlier, A Moment of Innocence, a.k.a. Bread in the Flower Pot. Um, and this man went into these people's lives pretending to be this director and said, I'm going to make a movie about you. And in fact, the man loved movies, but he, he was nothing. He had no job. He was a poor man. And, but he loved movies. and He loved Mahmoud movies. And suddenly someone thought he was Mahmoud <laughs> and And then he end, they ended up finding out that it was, he was an imposter and it became a court case and it went into the news. And then Mahmoud wanted to make a movie about it. And Kiarostami convinced him not to so that he could make it himself, which is what he did. <laughs> oh, that's Dirty Pool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And uh, he made this great movie that's part fiction, part documentary. You can't quite tell which parts are real and which parts are not. And it's a brilliant, brilliant film that, that your um, audience could watch on Criterion right now. Um, I think those are a really great place. Mahmoud Mountbosf's film, Bread in the Flower Pot, is beautiful. Has another really uh, wonderful film called Gabbé. I honestly, I, I, I like the separation, but I find all these films more interesting. To me, they're more cine- cinema, mm-hmm. less theater. Although I, I like the separation, but still, I think these are more elemental to cinema language. Or Bahram Bezaid's film Bashu, a little stranger. I thought for me, it made a big impact on me. But, and then, as I mentioned, Furukh Barulzad's film. Which you can probably find on YouTube. Um, the house is black. That's a very harsh film um, because it's about a leper colony. It's not easy, but it's powerful. Powerful stuff.
1: And it, but it's a narrative drama or it's a documentary.
2: Um, docu Doc, Got it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's one of the most, very one of the most famous female poets in Iranian history. Hmm. Died tragically in a car crash. Way too young.
1: Yeah, well, well, thank you so much for um, yeah, taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, it's uh, and broadening indeed. Our um, and and, uh, Brahman, I know uh, White Tiger is now on Netflix. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, it's it's thank you. gorgeous. And sorry, I only knew about Chop Shop. I didn't realize Man Push Card is also it coming on Criterion or already on.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. And I have three short films on Criterion that I made. All of them I made after my features. One is Plastic Bag with Werner Herzog. Oh. Yeah. Oh, these are on the and
1: channel. I mean
2: they're on the channel, oh, yeah. Okay. Lampish card and Chop Shop. I guess they'll come on the channel, but the discs will be available soon. Yeah. Three short films on the channel. Um, Plastic Bag, which is a 18-minute short um with Werner Herzog um, as the consciousness of, of a plastic bag. It is a fiction. Oh, a fiction. But he doesn't oh. but he doesn't
1: eat his shoe. Right? No,
2: he doesn't eat his shoe. <laughs> it,
1: no. seems, it seems almost <laughs> too easy. If you're gonna make a film about a plastic bag, who else would you cast as it?
2: Yes. Yeah, and then I have two short documentaries that are there. What,
1: what, what are um, they called?
2: One is called um, Bloodkin and one is called Lift You Up.
1: Fantastic. And those are streaming now. Yeah. Great, yeah. great, great. Um, yeah, great. well terrific. Well, thank you very much. We'll uh, leave you to go back to answering all the all the same questions. And good
3: luck get it, and all the awards
1: are gonna win. Yes. Uh, Enjoy uh, that ride. I don't know about that. I know that's
2: not why we do this. But I, I I I'm so happy about the what's so weird about streaming now because white tiger is on netflix um and was made for netflix but coming from independent movies it's it's so wild that on one day the movie is available to 200 million people in 190 countries yeah, yeah. It's, it's already amazing. been seen by 30 million people in less than a month it's incredible to it's me. Amazing. yeah it's amazing you get emails and messages from people in so many different parts of the world it's kind of incredible i like it almost it almost makes you feel there's a point to it I tell you it really does (laughs) you know it's kind of amazing but i'm waiting for cinemas to come back
3: yes well so are we might be a little while though
2: thank you guys so much thanks a lot take care enjoyed it thanks great to see you again you
1: too bye-bye our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers we can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That me. Stay safe out there, folks.
0: As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlaz, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.